Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Jessica Foster Q is a comedian, actor and writer. She's acted in TV shows including Motherland and Cuckoo for the BBC and written for shows including Mock the Week and 8 Out of 10 Cats. She currently hosts the Ho- She currently hosts the Hoovering podcast and is going on tour across the UK this summer. Today I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. So hello Jess, how are you? I'm very well, Jess. How are you? Oh, it's like, I love people called Jess. Uh, (laughs) However, my mum and dad thought it was really original, I think. My nan was called Jess and they thought it was really original. But then in my class at school and in my year at school, literally everyone was called Jess or Amy. So it wasn't particularly original. Oh, really? There was only one other Jess in my whole school. Like, in my six best friends group, like, there's, yeah. there's six or seven of us, and there's two Jesses and two Amys. It's just oh. people born in, like, 1979 right. to 1982 were called Jess or Amy, I think. Right, so I was a bit behind the curve there. Oh, I was born Lacey. in 1983, and I was surrounded by Kellys and Sarahs. Yeah, Kelly was a big one. You don't Big one. People don't get called Kelly anymore, do they? No. No. Uh, um, Gary's no Gary's there were loads of Gary's when I was at school yeah. there's no Gary's anymore I know I th- my, my stepdad's called Gary and my dad's called Keith and I feel like they're both representing I bet the dying name if you were to look at last year's baby names not a single one of them would be Gary or Keith I bet there's no I met a woman who had a baby Alan I was like, like <laughs> what baby called Alan that's my uncle so you, I mean, you can't do it you can't have a baby uncle well, you my, can actually, can't you? I mean, yeah. My um, mate is currently pregnant and she doesn't know the sex of her baby. So yeah. they were trying to come up with, like, gender-neutral names. And uh, yeah. she's married to an Irishman. And he suggested Pat. Like, like not it's even Pat. Pat, Patrick. Just Pat. And she was like, that's fine if it's a boy, but you can't have a... Ba- Pat is an Emmy variety, Auntie Pat. Like, you, you yeah. can't have a girl baby called Pat. It's the name no. of an 80-year-old woman. Yeah, with big earrings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pat. Brilliant. Baby Pat. Um, well, anyway, it's nice to be with another Jess, even yeah. though we're, very, we're actually quite common. 
I'm afraid yeah. to tell you. So this podcast is all about letter writing. Are you much of a letter writer? I love writing letters. I don't do it as much as I... I don't do it as much as I should anymore. Like, I try really hard to keep my hand in with it. I've got um, a group of friends who we make an effort to do postcards still. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I send... I feel like the last person I know left who sends Christmas cards. I don't put, like, a whole how my family's doing oh. note in it. I think that's... I don't mind if that goes extinct. Yeah. And um, although my family were never pushed enough to do that but I'm aware of it as a thing yeah my, my um, parents would have had to be like Luke's been in trouble with the law again yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah amazing um <laughs> yeah Jess has been arrested again um <laughs> only once actually um I love writing letters I don't do it as often I but I don't never do it I've got like a few family members who actually I think we've sort of quietly established that's how we're best at communicating actually I've got my a- house has just turned into Piccadilly Circus by the way so the, the doorbell is ringing there's about to be a drum lesson that starts so just try and ignore the general life that goes on in my home at the no moment. problem we might get interrupted by a six-year-old at any point it's oh fine. amazing yeah. I mean it's much better than when you get interrupted by a 16 year old the other day I was doing this and he was just like oh, I need bus fare I need bus fare like repeatedly <laughs> like that well I hope that makes the edit <laughs> get out it's like, I haven't got any money for food I need to go to the chicken shop Get out, you're sincerely mum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck off, Harry. That's how I'd sign off a letter to you. <laughs> Fuck off. Obviously, I love him dearly. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any letters of real note, like from like anyone really special, or a letter that like changed your life, like the letter that got you into university, or <gasps> like got your first gig, or whatever? Oh, that's I no, I've got I've got letters that I will never ever throw away. That were from like for early loves back in the. I think that ages me as well. Just the fact that we would even do that, you know, oh, like make is... e- yeah, wrote each other letters. Um, I was I was so head over heels in love, but in denial about it with a boy when I was eighteen and went off to uni, and he had he went off travelling instead, and. Um, Oh, God, we were both so grown up about it. We were like, well, there's no point trying to do something long distance with children. We've got our whole lives to live. But then but I got to you and I was like, Boo! just cried for months. Missed him so much. And we exchanged letters. He was in Israel in a kibbutz. And we oh, wrote that, is, that was they, so of that time to go to Yeah, Israel oh, so of that time. Uh, and, um, yeah, those letters are, are pretty sort of full of, oh, woman on the edge. Um <laughs> Um, letters that changed my life. No, I had a funny thing happen when I was, I worked out I was 10 when D Ream released the song. <laughs> Things can, Things only, get can only get better. And um, I was a member of the. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad I'm not on this podcast looking for love. I was a member of the D Ream fan club. <laughs> Like, fully paid up first of all we're gonna to have to explain to some people maybe who are listening to this is that there used to be like official fun yeah. clubs where you would send in like tokens and money and things and get like yeah. official newsletters and things like that doesn't yeah. i don't think that exists anymore i'm, I'm just gonna float the idea were you yeah. the only member of the dream no club? and i can tell you why i know i wasn't the only member because i paid i saved my pocket money up to send cash in an envelope to become a member and um I opted into the D Ream fan club pen pal scheme. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yep. Um, they ex- <laughs> this is the, the best story anyone has ever told about the letters. Okay, okay you, great. You're winning. And, um, I was accidentally put in an older age bracket group of pen pals and I got lots of letters from really horny 16-year-olds. <laughs> 15 to 20 year olds who had a big old stunk on for D-Ream and loved them in a quite a different way to me and had much less innocent thoughts about D-Ream that they wanted to share and I think a parent found these letters that I'd been getting from potential pen pals and I mean these days that would be very that you'd be in deep trouble you'd be ringing up the TV fan club going how the hell have you got this 10 year olds to dress on a database well, yeah so that was a nightmare but at least I know from the letters I wasn't the only one in the club have you ever met any of the members of D-Ream and told them this story you should I mean no I know and I should probably tap them up on social media now you and almost certainly could. and be like guys guys things didn't get better <laughs> things got Questionable safeguarding concerns. Yeah, yeah. Things got handled badly when it comes to data protection. Yeah, 100%. That's like before, like, chat boards, like, on yeah. the internet. Even yeah. before that, you were in a specific D-Ream. Pen pal group. Pen pal group. That yeah. is amazing. That yeah. is... I cannot believe that such a thing existed. And yet, here you are. Yeah. Uh, with the battle scars of the D-Ream. I was going to say, a living survivor. <laughs> the D-Ream fan club. <laughs> uh, oh dear, that's brilliant. Great stuff, yeah. So that, that is, that's literally the best letter of note that I've ever heard. It's Thank you. slightly porny. <laughs> yeah. letters yep. about Brian Cox. Mm. <laughs> what was the name of the lead singer of D-Ream? I can't remember that. As if you can't remember. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not he... sure I ever knew. <laughs> I just like the one song and the one it's, it's desperate for any sort of friends. It was um, really like, it was beloved, that song. Mm. It was like yeah. everywhere. It was everywhere. Yeah. And then do you feel that Tony Blair sort of ruined it? Well, <laughs> it's questionable, isn't it? Um, at the time, I was a big Tony fan too. Oh, so, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, I am... A Tony first album fan. Yeah. <laughs> I like the old Great work. first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every now and again, you know, can still release the occasional banger. Yeah. <laughs> In amongst the noise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Tony Bear would definitely be delighted to hear us talking about him. <laughs> can I just say, on this podcast, he comes up more than anybody else. Oh, no, that's Tony annoying, Blair. isn't it? Tony Blair is literally... It's because my, I get letters from him. I was joking. <laughs> I get Christmas cards from him. And, yes! Um, he, and they're always like him like and his family. Yeah. And so they get mentioned a lot. Also, Lorraine Kelly had a, a, a letter from him framed <gasps> on her wall that was oh. sent to her daughter about dog mess. <laughs> <laughs> In, like, Aberdeen. Or Dundee, or wherever it was she lived. Really brilliant. good. Yeah, brilliant. So, the whole point of this is to celebrate people uh, who you would write a letter to. So, I've asked you to think of somebody who means the world to you first. So, who would you pick? I've picked my six-year-old. Oh, that's nice. People rarely pick their children. The problem is, I think I do swing too far that way, that way in life. Like, I've, um, he's six now, but as a toddler, I really rang him dry in terms yeah. of stand-up comedy material. Yeah. He was a thug and would occasionally come up with some accidental sexism, and I really rinsed it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to... Um, and I think I'm the opposite of the, the parent that would 
brag about their kid or put in a round robin. Do you know what I mean? I, it, I, it makes my skin crawl. Um, I, when I was looking around schools, and I'm talking, you know, big comprehensive schools in South East London yeah. where I live, I overheard a parent at the end of a look around one of these schools say to the head teacher in front of all these other parents, I want to know how you're going to cope if it turns out my child is extremely academically gifted. <laughs> I've never wished a thicker child on anyone in my life. <laughs> I felt such a visceral hatred, but actually, <laughs> I swing too far that way. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I think, I think this. I thought this is a lovely opportunity because I can't to say think, nice things. Yeah, and I thought I, uh, I actually can't think of anyone else. You know that I have such a. It's it, that is almost part of the problem with the love you have your, for yeah. your kids. Is that there is the unconditional. Enormity of it. It's overwhelming. It makes you feel sick sometimes how much I love him on. It's like, you know, I think it's like a pet, isn't it? Sometimes you want to squeeze them so much, like, well, I bite my children when they were babies because, like, I genuinely felt like I couldn't get close enough to them. And so, like, there is like a carnal thing that happens. That when I was cuddling, I just like tug on their um, skin because, like, I was like, "Oh God, I just love you so much! Like, I'm gonna just yeah. kill you with love." Yeah, it is it's weird. I feel you. I hear you. So that's why he's getting letter number so one. So, what's his name? Rudy. Rudy, great name. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that's gender neutral. I know a little yeah. girl called Rudy. There yeah. you go. Um, in fact, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, do you do you play that song? Rudy, yeah, tune. Um, so tell me about your son then. He's six. Yeah, he's six. Um, I think he's a handful. <laughs> I don't think he's perfect, but I want him to be curious and kind and grateful. But that's literally it, ambition-wise, for me. For him, mm-hmm. those are the three things I demand of him. Yeah, somebody once said to me that like lots of people like the the common refrain is I just want my kids to be happy that actually that puts a huge amount of pressure on your kids to just be happy I think it's a tough Um, old world out there yeah mine is just don't be a dick yeah that's it I think you fundamentally it just don't I think yours is the same as mine but succinct yeah Yeah. yours has been well script edited (laughs) he's funny and wild and bright and at times really insightful he's brave and strong I think I is nothing I expected I hoped for a stagnant gentle quiet (laughs) child and I've got this ball of fire um with all my all my temper (laughs) I've only got myself to blame for the ways in which he's annoying um and I think I you know I don't want him to know this yet he can listen when he's older but I'm secretly grateful that he's not a pushover and he's full of his own ideas um I love how hard he tries at things. I love his attitude to losing. We're working on his attitude to winning. <laughs> yeah, bad winners. Yeah, bad. bad winners. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Um, and I love how good he is with like younger kids and yeah. and animals. He's not. Um, he's rare, I think, in the sense he doesn't just idolise or iconise. Is that a word? Mm. Older kids and the kind of the school celebrity he's up for he's up for the uh, hanging with the underdogs um i really long may that last and i thought yeah. it's so funny that it tickled me this opportunity to do this here because adele had a chance to i'm not with rudy's dad anymore and adele had the chance to do sort of an international award-winning 
anthem sung as an apology to her son for yeah. leaving her son's dad. And um, I thought I'd just do this letter and that would be probably <laughs> that, that's sort of like the profile-wise the equivalent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's the same. Um, I think, yeah, if he listened to this when he's older, he every now and again he asked me, we've sort of explained, I don't want to over-explain at this point, but I just want him to know, and I think a letter's a lovely way of doing it, that I left his dad because I knew that we would never break up when it came to being a team that parent him. We're always going to do that together. And I did it for my sanity and ultimately so that I would be a happy enough person to be the best possible parent to him. Well, and I want him to know that. Happy mums. And I spend a huge amount of time with people who break up with people for very, very difficult and horrible reasons. Yeah. Um, and trying to get, for example, like social services to change their attitudes towards women who end up in domestic abuse situations is that you know if you don't you, you can't shout at them about the harm that like they're putting themselves in the way of because they're not putting themselves in the way of it it's it's happening to them they're not yeah active in it and i always just say happy mums make happy babies so maybe you should try and make them happy when you interact with them not sad um yeah. and so yeah happy mums make happy babies and happy dads make happy babies like yeah. that like it's very easy to forget that when you know your love for your child becomes all consuming as if their needs are the most important thing it lots of people can forget about their own needs and yeah. and that is I always say to my kids we are a square we each get a corner in our family and no corner matters more than the other my you have to fit in with my life and I have to fit in with yours but yeah. it's like you you do have to be happy yeah and ultimately i think especially when you kids are kids your your happiness and their happiness is you can't really detach them you're only as happy as your saddest child <laughs> yes oh crumbs oh, yeah, yeah that's sad isn't it yeah. it is bleak but it's <laughs> yeah. heavy but the, but this stuff is heavy i think yeah. and like ultimately i was at a point where i was like oh well i'm i'm unsavably unhappy in this relationship without any of the horror you've described mm. it just the the relationship had become not even a friendship the only thing we did well together was parent him and yeah. we could there wasn't any reason why we wouldn't and haven't we've carried on doing that as a team so and do you i mean find that that is like really like you have a healthy team relationship separate amazing yeah my I mean, brother he, split up with yeah. his missus and they have two small kids together and like all of the resentments between them uh, and the sort of guilt that they were having to live with for t- treating each other a certain way, like that, all just went out the window. And they're just a they're just a team. They're solid yeah. team together now yeah. that they're not together. I have to. He he wouldn't forgive me if I'd hadn't made it clear. It wasn't. He would have rather stayed in the relationship. Mm. So it's not like it was like it was that amicable that we both just went. Let's do it differently. <laughs> but I, but we, he's been incredibly classy. He's mm. a brilliant dad, and um. Yeah, it is that. All the things that used to drive me up the wall just don't. We've got so much more uh, more, more in the tank when it comes yeah. to tolerance, patience, empathy for one another as co-parents and friends yeah. than we'd had for many years. I reckon your kid will understand that. I hope so. Yeah. And I think the other thing with him is he's at an age now where my kind of the fer- annoying ferocity of my love is too much room. I'll walk into a room and be like, hey. And he'll be like, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say I love you. And I'm sick of hearing it. You say it too much. At one point, I think he even said to me, it's losing its meaning. I was like, Jesus. 
And I am a bit needy. And I thought that one of the things that's joyful about a letter is you can just go, oh, I love you so much. I love you. Love. And there's nothing he can do about it. I, just, I love you so much. I'll squeeze you up. I'll embarrass you of how much I love. going to make you give me a kiss goodbye at school until you're 18. <laughs> how do you think you'll get... So I'm here to warn you as somebody who has come out the other side. I have yes. a nearly 17-year-old and a 13-year-old boy. And um, they disappear for a bit. They go yeah. away. My older son has come back and he okay. will cuddle me and he will lie with me on the sofa and he will, like, he's like, Mom, do you want to go and see I know you wanted to see this film. Do you want to go and see it with me? Like, he's come back. But he disappeared for about three years and, like, I would, he wouldn't let me touch him or, like, you, you just had no relationship with him. And he, was not, he wasn't bad. He wasn't badly yeah. behaved, but he just no. disappeared. And that's yeah. painful. It's going to hurt. It's going <laughs> to feel like a poker... Hot poker to the soul. I'm not going to lie. I understand it's a really necessary part of um, of, of adolescence. It's a really integral part of the psychology of, isn't it all to do with, like, breaking bonds, ready to not live with me forever, so it needs to happen. Like, I fully get it, but I'm not going to pretend. I'm going to enjoy a single second. If anything, it's going to make me needier and more annoying. Yeah, it, that, that's what he did to me. Yeah. I would be like, I'd, like, pour at him, like, at the dinner <laughs> yeah. table when he sat yeah. next to me. I, I was, like, really, like, intolerable. No wonder he had disappeared, because I was just like, but you're my baby. <laughs> yeah. An yep. idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is it. That they do, they do go away. My thirteen year old hasn't done it yet. He must be due to go soon. He doesn't let like he won't cuddle me and kiss me properly. It's always like a stupid show when he does it. My older one, he will properly like cuddle up to me Good. again. And yeah, that's nice. I don't ever want to lose that. And I tell him I love him literally, and he says I love you too. Like he like he, he, <laughs> but I do it thirty, forty times a day. Yeah, I love to hear it. I love to hear it. I feel like I'm really. That's exactly my vibe. I've said <laughs> it's vibe. Just like. Oh, I just yeah. really love them. I mean, yeah. it's sort of terrifying when they're first born, though, isn't it? Because, like, I just was like, oh, my God, like, I've just got to make sure you don't die. And when people yeah. say that, like, you feel, like, this uh, unbelievable love, I actually just had never felt actual fear before I mm. had a baby. Like, I thought I'd been in frightening situations, but I literally lived my whole life in total fear for those yeah. first few months. I was like that, oh, my God, what if I hurt him? Yeah, um, but also there's this absolutely ridiculous assumption that that you'll innately work out what to do. It blew my mind. I had stand-up about it at the time. They basically, you go through an inevitably a trauma and then they basically pop a hat on it and send you home. (laughs) (laughs) Don't they? And you're like, what? Sorry, what? Like four hours after they're born? Yeah. Like, yeah. Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Ridiculous. I didn't feel, uh, with my, my second one, I didn't feel like a burst of love with my first one. I, I did with yeah. my second one because I had the um, the synapses in my brain because I'd done it before. Yes. Um, but I didn't love my son like that. He felt like an alien. People are honest about that. Yeah. That's like basically 50-50 whether you're going to get all that straight away. Yeah, I didn't or get, gonna... I didn't, especially like when yeah. you've just, you know, you've been dragged out of you with big yeah. salad servers. Yeah, same. <laughs> I was like that, they just Ooh. look like huge salad servers. So do you think you'll have more children then or I'm not ruling it out, but I'm not sure. And I'm engaged to a woman now, so if we do have more kids, one, it will be more complicated. Two 
maybe she's younger. Yes. You can do it. And yeah, um, I can be a dad because that looks like a pretty sweet ride. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you down the golf course, lads. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. When I had my son, you know, they give you a talk about contraception afterwards and, like, you know, yeah. you won't necessarily be fertile while well, first stages of your birth. Mm. So. And it's obviously, like, just, like, paint my numbers. They have to go through the sheet before they let you out of the hospital and say that to you, like, oh, you're gonna, what are you going to use for contraception? And they did it to two women in the next cubicle oh, to me. So they were like, well, we're, we're lesbians, so I think it's unlikely that we're going to accidentally fall pregnant. But yeah. it's like, I've got to say it. Have you got plans for contraception? You, you haven't got to say it. It turns out actually you haven't got to say it. Say I it. Like, yeah. Oh, my crumbs. Yeah, blimmin' it. I think it must be hard, um, actually. I mean, just because I fell pregnant accidentally uh, with my first baby and then I wanted to have my second one, so I sort of planned it, but I was, like, already in the sort of mum sphere. But, you know, like, when people have to have uh, IVF or, like, when gay people want to have a baby, like, that moment where you have to... It's like making a decision. Like, I think that's quite... To me, that seems alien, the idea of making a decision to go through the process of having a baby like seems yeah. like you might just keep kicking the can <laughs> yeah totally yeah i know yeah a hundred percent really um there was a sweet spot for me in terms of like at some point i think it was in my late 20s i began to go mad about wanting a baby and i sort of repressed it until it was gonna destroy me if i didn't yeah. have a baby and then had a oh, baby yeah. but it was quite i was very overwhelmed so i did plan i planned rudy but I I think unless you've... Uh, part of me thinks if you've got two women both in that madness, yeah. then they'll find a way. When I... Because I wanted to have my second one. I was 26 when I had Danny. So my second yeah. one, I was 23 when I had Harry. I wanted to have a baby so much. I was driven literally mad. Like, yeah. I was like... My friend said she was pregnant. I was like, right, Tom, that's it. We're having a baby. Like, I've got to have a baby. It was the most genuinely, like... It took over my whole body, like, insane yeah. uh, sense. And I was, like, making him have sex with me, like, all the time. <laughs> he literally <laughs> recorded... Uh, Robert Winston on the television saying literally there's like one day you can actually get pregnant he was like you've got to stop <laughs> please give me pregnant. a rest I got pregnant in the first month of trying because I was 26 years old <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like you know like well, it was not going to be that difficult um, yeah. and I'd already had another baby so I got pregnant within the first like week of trying to get amazing pregnant. but still I was just like it was just I was so incessant. There was no reason for me to think, have any doubts about whether I'd be able to yep. have a baby or anything, but I was still totally overwrought. Like, no, me too. I was exactly the same. I was so annoying for years. And because he was like, not yet, not yet. And I was like, tell me exactly when we're ready then. Like, and I remember at one point, the point where I knew I'd lost my mind was um, we were watching a documentary about these massive crabs, I think, in Japan. And they were like scuttling along a beach. And I was like, I saw a baby move sideways once. <laughs> you've lost it you've fully lost it I can't believe that's made you think about babies a massive gross crab like this, like a metre wide crab on a Japanese beach <laughs> it is like maddening yeah. like so it must be mad. so yeah. hard for people yes. who struggle to oh, get my pregnant crumbs, yeah. to yeah, be yeah, around yeah. Oh, I mean I, I just like that must be so hard like yeah. and I didn't I used to think that people were a bit moany about it until I had that feeling and I thought that would you'd be like clawing away at your own skin yeah like, 100% uh, but like you say once you've once it's 
that your system is rid of that yeah. and you're left with the sort of rational amount of yeah. wanting or not wanting a child. Yeah, really easy to kick that can. <laughs> Keep kicking that can. Oh, yeah, we've got yeah, this one. He's a nice one. one. That one's fine. That yeah. one's, yeah. Like my people said, we should have another one so that they've got a brother and sister. And it's just like, is your second baby just a toy? Yeah. <laughs> your first baby. Like, yeah. That's a really weird attitude to have, like, like, well, he needs a brother or a sister. It's just like, buy him a fucking ball. Yeah, yeah or you could teach him to share... Yeah, you want. Yeah, or like, I know yeah. the idea as well that only children, and this definitely in the eighties, this was definitely the sort of patter that only children were basically the devil. Yeah, like and in I'm all one. literature, and I'm an eighties one. Yeah, so I was like, mm. in all literature, it's like yeah. you know the sort of perfect only child who can't share, and she's really spoilt. Yeah. Like all the only children I know are considerably less maladjusted than the people who have siblings. <laughs> Well, it does feel a bit 50-50. The bit. I've got loads of people who would, you know, kill and die for their siblings. And I've got loads of people who really do not get on with their siblings. Who, or who had, like, like, a terrible 20 years and now they're friends or something. They, we don't have the same upbringing, me and my siblings. Like, because of each other. Like, the dynamics yeah. of each other. I've got three brothers. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crackers the way that, like, people think that the answer is to have siblings. It's like, it's no, like, moral... It's really weird. I'm yeah. all, like, have one baby, two's too many. That was how I experienced it. I was like, after having that desperation, I was a bit like, what was I thinking? This is so yeah. much harder. Um, but obviously, I like them now. Um, so what? how would you sign off a letter to Rudy? He once said something to me when he was a toddler... Uh, so maybe I will say that back to him. He um, he was really violent as a kid, as a baby and toddler to the point where it was funny, but it was also genuinely really awful in my real yeah. life. Um, and um, once I thought he'd said something sweet and then he made it violent and it really tickled me. And he went, Anna, I love you so much. I want to squeeze you up. And I went, oh, thank you. And he went, I'm going to squeeze you so hard that it smashes you up to silhouines. <laughs> So I'm going to say that. I'm going to say, I'm going to love you so hard. I'm going to smash you up to silhouines. Whatever silhouines are. Love, mum. Smithereens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He called them silhouines. That is, those we'll things stick it, forever. Yeah. Was it do. my children? And we've stayed, it's like stayed in the folklore of our family. Oh, on accident, they say, because like you say, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So we all now have adopted saying, oh, I did it on accident. I did it on accident. accident. Yeah, and you yeah. find yourself saying it in adult company. It absolutely, there, don't you? realise it. Um, I think that's, that's, I think that's that, weird. I don't think that woman knows oh, how to say it on accident. accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> they infect your whole yeah. sense of being because you're so chuffed at the cute things that they say. Yeah. Uh, and that gets better, I have to say, as they get older. They especially when they're trying on being adults it mm. is so fucking amusing yeah. uh, it's like a, it's genuinely like a laugh a minute so there's, there's, pl- there's plenty more in that rich scene for stand up there's so Brilliant. much more to come so the second letter uh, I asked was for somebody who's no longer with you so who would that be I chose my Nana Foster Q oh Nana Foster Q where is the name Foster Q from I've never met another Foster Q in my life so she is Austrian, but it was it was from my granddad. So it's an old English name, boring old Anglo-Saxon name that means strong sword or strong shield. Oh. There's a few others um, I know because a man approached me at the Edinburgh Festival with a family tree he'd made. Um, That's weird. <laughs> yeah, um, and it didn't have some. It didn't have my dad's other kids on it. So it was yeah. 
I should. It was a very sweet thing to do, and he's obviously done a lot of research. But um, there aren't loads of us. It is a weird one. I think there's lots of well, there's more Fortescues, which it gets mistaken. For oh quite yes, Fortescue. No, yeah, that I've heard that Fortescue. It's a part yeah. person's name. That is. Yeah, it, it's Fortescue. not. It, I don't think if. Well, I mean, my granddad isn't posh. <laughs> well, there you <laughs> so go. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. So you're I now. So I call myself posh, posh adjacent. Um, he, my nan was Austrian. And yeah, she's no longer with us. She was an, an extraordinary woman. You know, again, not perfect, but I think I have so many regrets in the sense that she died when I was in my very early 20s, I think. And um, I didn't take it seriously, I don't think. I didn't grieve her. I didn't. I didn't have the emotional maturity to care enough and I was even too cowardly to go to her funeral. I had planned, really? I'd, I'd driven, fret. I think so, oh, I mean, I just, I. that side of my family aren't very good at mm. feeling their feelings. Mm. My dad is still 100% incapable of it. And I have done enough work on myself to grow into somebody who can do that and who doesn't need to numb their emotions with any of the many ways in which yeah. people numb their emotions. Um, however, that at that age, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear the thought of it. And I'd promised some friends I was supposed to drive them all on a holiday that we had planned. And um, I seemed to justify it, along with my dad, of like, yes, yeah, she wouldn't have wanted you to waste all those people's money and that's all of their chance for a holiday and stuff. And it was like, oh, really? OK, well, I'll just go on the holiday then. And um, even once I'd gone on the holiday, I was like, what am I doing? And I remember on the day of her funeral, went and sat in a church, even though I'm completely agnostic, <laughs> and sat in a church all day trying to feel feelings and just nothing, just not ready to compute anything. And I, I, all, I knew immediately I'd made a terrible mistake with that. We were really close, her and I. Um, and she died in your 20s. It's not like, you know, old people dying when you're like eight and play the role of like, I'm sad for you, Dad. I hope you're no, all right. exactly. Something. And I'm sure she was super flawed as a parent, but she mm -hmm. was an amazing grandparent. Um, and... Um, once my son was born, I got a really big... That's when I grieved her. And mm. I still feel like I can feel someone tugging, tugging at the cords of me every time I think about how much I would have loved her to have met him. Yeah. And she would have been so... She, would, she was the naughtiest woman. <laughs> she was really clever. She was, out, like, extraordinarily beautiful... <laughs> And cheeky, farty, <laughs> like this most glamorous, stunning, like black eyes, black curly hair, but never not squeaking a little fart out. Um, she would have loved how naughty he is. She'd have loved what little shit he is. Um, and how much he eats, she'd have loved that. I'm in a room that has a, a, a plastic roof and it's raining really oh, badly. Oh, it's just no. passed. It's all right, okay. it's passing. I'm just glad you're not wetting yourself. <laughs> I'm not wetting myself. <laughs> not now. Gonna, not I'm now. in the conservatory and it's got a very cheap plastic roof. Um, yeah, she was Austrian. She was called Helinda. She was uh, sneaky, cheeky. I had lots of very wholesome half terms with them. <laughs> like, but I, when I went to their house for half terms, my, my parents were like... Ah were worked shifts as a nurse, my mum. My dad worked in London as a salesman and would be back at weekends. There wasn't, like, loads of consistency. I did a lot. I was very independent. And it was the 80s where you didn't interact with your kid like parents are required no. to now. 
I had I was an only child say so I wasn't like I was I was very good with the adult adult company but weird with other kids mm-hmm. um and when I hang out with them for half terms I got all the I would do cooking with her. I had all this creative freedom. There was a hatch. It was a proper 70s, oh, I love a hatch. I was just trying to convince my father-in-law to put one in. I was like, Get I love a hatch. A hatch. Oh, I love a hatch. We've, it's oh. so 80s to have a hatch. Oh, I'm into a hatch. <laughs> I used to be allowed to set up a pretend shop through the hatch. hatch. And That's like what play, a hatch was good for. Yeah, make play place shops through the hatch. Um... She taught me loads of amazing Austrian cooking. She I was going to say, did she cook Austrian food? Yeah, I love Austrian food. me too. Or schnitzels and these amazing clear soups with broths with these like mad tasty dumplings and chut. Mm. I'd be allowed to chop the chives or sometimes these really thinly cut slices of pancakes in these clear soups. Oh, yum. And um, I'd help with that. We'd go down into, they lived in Farnborough in Hampshire and we'd we'd walk down every day to look at, look at the bargains in the <laughs> Esther. And every day buy a load of going off food and cook it up. Like she was a proper bargain hunter. She'd always be sleeping. A proper feeder, like a hundred percent. She was like never not passing you something yeah. sweet or delicious to eat. She was amazing. Also taught me all the capital cities of oh, that every is, country. I um, feel I've let my children down on that because, like, yeah, we used too. to be like quizzed on it, and my kids don't yeah. know flags. I mean, yeah, dreadful. No. I've let them yeah. down. Yeah, totally. I remember some musicians had come into our school, and they were saying to the whole of we were in. Like primary school, and they said, "Does anybody know the capital city of Denmark?" And I was like, <laughs> like, oh my God. "Like, it's the snazziest I'd ever felt." I've got like, <laughs> that out of my hand. I was like, I honestly was like, "Oh God, I've got, I've got, I felt like her. Well, I didn't know who Hermione was, but I had a real Hermione moment. Thanks to her. <laughs> yeah, I've got a brilliant Austrian-related story. Have you? It's about Anna Schwarzenegger. <laughs> He's from Austria. Of course. Uh, He's a flipping ledge, isn't he? Isn't he? His little note to Putin, I could have smooched him. Oh, no, what a ledge. Lovely boy. He, when he made the Terminator, yep. he, they obviously dubbed it into uh, German for the German audience. Lovely. And he said, how about I do the, I'll dub myself, like, you know, I'll, I'll do the voice. Because uh, obviously I speak German, so I'll do it. He volunteered to do it. And the Germans sort of quite politely had to say to him, well, the trouble is, is that Austrian people to us sound like farmers. <gasps> so it won't be, it won't be, it won't be very menacing. Oh, my I'll God. <laughs> Wurzel Gummidge does Terminator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So they didn't let him do the dubbing into German. Oh my God, that's also so rude, isn't it? <laughs> I think if I was, I, I, I've almost commend the Germans for having the absolute nips to say that to, uh, to Arnie of all the hench bastards as well, <laughs> say that to. I'd have been like, yes, go for it, Arnold. And then just yeah. combined his back and booked a second voiceover. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Uh, but isn't that brilliant? I, I hope yeah. it's true, that story. My husband told me that uh, and he does periodically lie to me so that I repeat things <laughs> on here that aren't true. <laughs> But, uh, I, uh, I, I, I hope that's true. But A celebrity-related story that I desperately hope is true is someone told me once that um, apparently Bill Murray's got this thing he does where he goes round, like, you know, it, it, with sunglasses on or whatever, like, you know, be out and about, and he'll go up behind someone and um, he'll put his hands over their eyes so that they're like, oh, like that, and they'll turn round and they'll see it's him, and then he goes, no one will ever believe you. And then <laughs> walks off. If that is true, that is amazing. What I mean, you can believe it though, can't you? Yeah, because you can. Bill Murray, 
is the uh, ultimate legend. Yeah. Him and Arnie. Yeah, him and Together, Arnie. they should be able to rule the world. Right? Yeah. The world would be a better place if they if they yeah. ruled it. Although in Germany, they'd think it was being ruled by a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious. Oh, I love that. So how would you sign off a letter to your, your nana? Yeah. Um, I'd say, I wish I'd thought about you more when you went. I think about you all the time now, even though it hurts to. I miss you. You oh. were brilliant, Jess. Oh. I think she knows. I, hope she I knows. don't know. I, mean, I don't know. She probably. I she mean, was quite sure of herself. I think. I yeah. think she, if she wanted something, she, she, she worked need, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't need uh, the constant affirmation. We'll be back for Jessica's final letter after a short break. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So the final uh, letter is to somebody you who has had an effect on your life, but you they probably don't know that they have. So who would that be to? This is a random one. I did have a think about like. You know, famous people or like people in comedy. 
But I, I really toyed with saying someone like Carolina Hearn or Rick Mail oh, or yeah. one of the people whose humour or physicality I feel like is in my DNA. Like, and I don't know that I'd have... I don't know. But well, Rick, Rick Mail, especially for our generation, like, you're right. He was just, like, everything. My yeah. husband was saying earlier that his nan had named their cat Toffee and he'd wanted to call it... Vivian after the young what the character from the young one yeah it was just like they were the sort of irreverency of the 1980s yeah so good and then they took that into bottom and all oh, that stuff yeah, oh, and um, I think Caroline Hearn as well I mean there's so many but then I thought I don't know where to start I don't know where to start with those I've gone for someone from real life I'm going for a man who will be exactly my age pretty much called William Spickett who I have sounds seen. like a character from Dickens. Sounds so. It sounds like a kind man from a Dickens novel. Yes, it does. And instead, he is. I assume I can't see a world in which he's anything other than a kind man from the real world. But I haven't seen him since I was um, twelve or thirteen. Not to talk to, um, but he was. I was a dweeb at school. <laughs> and I think now, like, again, like, to hammer home a point I made earlier, like, the pressures were different on parents in the 80s and mm-hmm. before. And, like, now, I think when I knew, as soon as, oh, I think from early days anyway, but I was like, I want to get my kid around other kids. There's a chance this might be my only kid. I'm going to get my kid around other kids. And that just wasn't what it was like then mm. and so when I got to school I was adrift like I did not like have any friends and I was a dweeb and um I don't know I wasn't very good at it I wasn't very good at making friends I think I tried to do some aggressive kind of <laughs> some really overzealous um like bully bullying like to try and like save I remember saving this boy who was having his head shoved through a bit of a playground equipment and like his face being pushed into the floor I remember like basically kicking the bullies off him and being like would you like to be my friend and him being like no no and don't do that again for me like you're a girl and I'm embarrassed I can remember he had really big shaggy hair I can't remember his name anyway like I had, I had nothing until William Spickett, and then he became my one friend. And I don't think until I basically we got to puberty and I ditched him. But until <laughs> did you stop being so, a dweeb? Then did you blossom? Stopped like being a dweeb, a, and I like wanted in, to... in drama where the girl just takes off her glasses and is actually an absolute knockout. I did not <laughs> blossom. I look at pictures of me as a teenager now, and I think lots of people look at them and go, "Oh my god, I can't believe I hated myself." I look at pictures of me as a teenager and go, "Fuck that! What was your face doing? Who the hell was that? I was the wonkiest." I've... I was a donkey. Me too. I'm the the fittest I've ever been. I honestly was a minger as a teenager. I wouldn't have got off of me. Everything was all sort of twisted around and like I looked like a weird painting. And then it was, I looked bizarre as a teenager. Why did you ditch Spicket? I ditched Spicket, I think, because I was ready to get some snogs off Naughty Boys. Um, And he was very wholesome, innocent lovely boy and we would we'd even do up each other's coats we hung out all day every day i can't remember any of the things we talked about i remember having amazing his parents ran it doesn't exist anymore but a little like uh grocery shop and um i'd go for uh, after school to his for tea and um it was a much more like a nourishing 
routine, sweet, normal environment, less chaotic, more um, predictable Mm -hmm. environment than my home. And I loved the sanctuary of that. I loved, it felt like going to a theme park, visiting us somewhere that sort of quiet and normal and homely. And um, the best bit about it was we'd have like, whatever we'd have for tea, some kind of kids tea of chips and fish Mm. fingers or whatever. But for pudding, even though, well, obviously because the shop was closed, we were allowed into the closed shop to choose an ice cream from the ice cream cabinet for pudding, Jess. That is, um, that's literally like a dream. You know, you should like dream of getting like locked in a department store. Yeah, <laughs> well, mine night. would be in a sweet in the. It was in a grocery store. It was incredible. I remember having my first Mars bar ice cream. Oh. I remember having my first. I would normally I'd choose a fab. Um, they were like um, a sort of almost sort of oh a zap. I mean a zap. zap. It's like a yeah. toffee flavored ice cream that looked like sick. Yeah, it was all yeah. like tie dye. Yeah. Yeah. That was about as 80s as it got. Like a yeah. really ugly, fugly ice cream that tasted just of toffees. Yeah. Oh, f- that was so fun. That was so fun. <laughs> Lovely William. Um, and I don't know anything about, like, his situation. I'm aware. I think his parents still live, like, back where I'm from, where my parents also still do. I think he's got family. I think he's got kids. I don't know any more about him, but I, I love the idea that I'd love to have a cup of tea with him sometime or maybe oh, even a pint yes. um, and just sit because I mean I don't know where we'd even start but he saved me from an incredible amount of loneliness and it had taken me even longer to be sort of not weird enough to make other friends he yeah. he really took a bullet <laughs> he was like um, you know I, I, to use a stand-up analogy there's, sometimes there is an audience that is like a flipping handful like mm. feral or not engaged with it or yeah, just, just there like to blank. sometimes you get yeah sometimes you get really moody like sassy audiences that are there to have crap time like and basically whoever's on first takes a bullet and he took, he got the worst me. He got the raw first me, <laughs> this weird little four or five-year-old. Um, and, yeah, and sort of made me normal enough to be able to move me on to other friends. <laughs> I, I bet he wasn't conscious of that at the time. And I bet he no. didn't feel like taking a bullet. I hope not. Did yeah, he have other not. friends? Well, not while during our friendship that I was aware of. But then he did go on to have an amazing best friend called Nathan, I think, once we were all a bit older. Yeah. So do you think... That he feels that same way about you? I've got no idea. I imagine he does. No if you idea. were his only friend and he was your yeah. only friend, he probably is like chuffed that you were friends with him. I feel bad that I mean, I you feel didn't like have a shop. A, no, and Jess, I feel like there's a world in which he could hear this and get in touch and be like, uh, I did have other friends. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> made a bit of time for you, you dweeb. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but you didn't have a shop. So, no. you know, he has got one up on the influence yeah. of you for the rest of your life and your memories yeah. because, you know, being able to look around a shop is, yeah. that's like literally the dream of any child. The absolute dream. Um, so, I reckon he was. As pleased to have you. People often do this. They are willing to accept um, how great other people are in their lives, but find it much more difficult to accept that they might be great in theirs. Like your son, Rudy, one day, I mean, it's a long time away. Yeah. He will sit and somebody will say, who means the world to you? And he will say that it's you. Like, and you cannot foresee that at the moment. And you also cannot accept it. 
you can't like you know like I my my children now like they just take the piss out of me but yeah. one day I think they'll go shit you know my mum she's quite an impressive person um and I don't doubt it yeah surely. I don't I mean surely come on I've really come put the fucking yards in you can't accept it in other people that other people feel that way about you the way that That's you feel unbearable. It's like an unbearable compliment, isn't it? Like it is awful. It's like right. a real problem of the human yeah. condition that though is to assume that if anybody else does something brilliant, that's because they're brilliant and brave. Whereas yeah. when you do it, you're like, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry I about got it. Lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's also bad feminism, isn't it? We need it to is. work on that. Yeah. It's yeah. like. I, uh, yeah, I just, I, I'm just so aware of it. I meet amazing people who go, oh, it's nothing really. And I'm like, well, you know, you're liberated Liberia. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you do. You meet actually amazing people as well. I love yeah, it. I am sort of like, well, I think that Nobel Peace Prize probably is different. Um, I once had to, I've mentioned this on this podcast before, I once had to lecture Malala Yousafzai on political <laughs> activism. Oh, God. Oh, my crumbs. I love it. I Imagine. I mean, that's embarrassing, Imagine. isn't it? When you have to go into your constituency schools and lecture people, and she's one of the people in the class. Um, Incredible. Yeah, I, I felt like I wasn't that lucky that day. Um, <laughs> very gracious about it, I must say, for the record. Brilliant. Uh, so, William Spickett, the greatest yeah. name ever. How would you sign off your letter to him? Thank you for your pity. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that friendship too. Um, I'd have been a lot more lost without your friendship as a tiny child. Thank you for it. Thanks for helping me do up my coat, that one with the toggles I couldn't work. Um, thank you to your parents, please. I hope they're doing well for the ice creams and the nice times. And um, I really hope everything's doing great. And if you want to write back, Get in touch. Yeah, get in touch. We'd have a lovely cup of tea, even if even if it turns out to be one of those things where we meet up again once, and it's awkward. And, yeah, and it's awkward, yeah. and we never do it again. I think it's a good idea. Well, Jess, it has been a total pleasure listening to your people. It has been, uh, as I expected, a hoot. Thank uh, you for having me. What a brilliant podcast, Jess. This is so cool. It's a treat to have to think about these things. I know, it's a treat for people. That's it. Yeah. That's the thing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.